On this episode of What's the Reward, we interview Kimberly Ray. She's a registered nurse who also holds certification as a master black belt with the Lean Six Sigma certification. She tells us everything we always wanted to know about a nurse, including how to survive COVID, questions about the future of nursing, how to make money, and anything you want to know. Listen up right here on What's Up With Ward. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You're listening to another exciting episode of What's Up With Ward, the podcast. For those who may not know, this show focuses on love, life, and relationships. Everyone has a story. We just want to know what's yours. And to regular listeners out there like Wayne Powell, salute. salute. My name is Wardy Ward, and to the left of me is my day one A one Trey. As always, Trey, what's up, man? All day, all Trey. What's going on, Wardy Ward? Man, I'm just trying to make it do what it do while making it do what it do. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. On this episode, number 28.5, we have the wonderful opportunity to speak with a talented individual who has many accomplishments under her belt. Are you excited to know more? Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Well, buckle up because it's about to get bumpy. This person is a wonderful mother to two wonderful young ladies. She's a registered nurse, a master black belt holder of the Lean Six Sigma certification. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You said black. (laughs) Did you say black belt? No, no, a a master black belt, like with slavery, master black belt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm. she got that. Yep. She's a fellow. Okay. Fellows Award recipient. She's a woman-owned uh, business owner, and much, much more. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Miss Kimberly Ray to the studio. How are Kimberly you doing? Kimberly Ray, what's up? Hey, 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 how you doing, Wardy Ward and Trey? How y'all doing? Hey, we doing, doing good. We doing what we do, you know. So, before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Who are you? Where you're from? And and how many cartwheels can you do? Let's tell us some about you. Well, let's start with the easy one. Cartwheels. I shall do none. Okay. Nine. Nine cartwheels. <laughs> got, it. got it. I can do ones. I got I'll, I'll, what I win. What I win. <laughs> can jump higher than a tree. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, but all joking aside, um, like you said, I am a registered nurse. I happen to work for a well-known hospital here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, um, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, on my side jobs or my side time I like to coach gymnastics so that's I think the reference to the cartwheels I think that's what that was all about right right (laughs) and I do have two amazing girls um both of them are out of school doing well have great jobs and they're focused on moving forward in life so very proud of those young ladies okay all right all right Sound like you got your hands full there. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the nursing thing before we get into the Lane Six Sigma. Okay. Uh, I want to know what 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 moment in your life uh, made you decide, you know what, I want to become a nurse. I mean, so many other things you can do. I know other people have transitional paths that they follow, maybe a CNA, then I think, uh, uh, what's, that, what's after CNA? But, you know, then up to RN, BSN, whatever, all that stuff. Tell us about that. What made you want to do it? Well, you know, I think I've always had a desire to be in healthcare. I think even after I graduated high school, I, I kind of like played back and forth with the concept of becoming, <clears throat> doing something in healthcare. Originally, I thought it would be more like surgical technology, that kind of thing. But it wasn't until 1996. Um, Ooh, 96. Yeah. Let me see. That's yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50. What's that, Trey? 40 years old? Hold on. I'm, I'm still taking off my shoes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead
1996, and this is a this was a really tough period in my life. I actually lost my youngest sister in that year. Mm-hmm. Um, she was yeah, she was killed in a very tragic car accident. And I think the thing that triggered me to make that that flip to healthcare is when I I personally ended up having to go to the hospital because of the emotional stress that that put on on me. Yeah. Um, the emergency room nurses that were there, they they could not you know help my sister because she had already passed away. However, they were very understanding and compassionate with me and my well being. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. was the thing that caused me to really want to focus and redirect my career to start helping others and then I kind of let time go by so it wasn't until 2002 that I actually was able to start my nursing career and um, started school at Marion University in Indianapolis that was Marion mm. University or Mary <laughs> Marion Marion oh, Marion that's, that's an in... expensive school you know about that one Trey <laughs> Yeah. Man, okay. Well, all I know is the extent of my medical background is band-aid sticky side down. So I'm just gonna be quiet for a few minutes. But go ahead, oh, you go fancy. Ahead. fancy huh? Go ahead. Okay. So what did you do before that? Before you uh, you decided you want to be a nurse? What was your field of work or your background? Well, like I said, I always had that feeling. And once um, I graduated high school, I decided to kind of test the waters, so to speak, and became a medical assistant. So I went through a, a year, it was only a year long certification program to kind of see whether or not I had the stamina to deal with healthcare. My first job as a medical assistant was working at an industrial clinic where people that had work related injuries would come in and be seen and be x-rayed and taken care of. So I think that's when my love for healthcare really started to blossom and I thought that I really had what it took to advance that as a career in healthcare. So, so that made you think you could actually do it by being a medical assistant? It did. It did help with that that layer of confidence that you need to have to be a nurse. It also helped me to kind of really understand the basics of what nursing care required. So, no. yeah. What does what a, a nursing assistant do? Oh, so a nursing assistant is different than a medical assistant. So I was a medical assistant. And I'm a sorry. Medical assistant, yeah. Trey be throwing me off. <laughs> Trey, uh, stop, Trey, stop that. I'm going to I'm wait, I'm wait my turn. <laughs> and I'm going to come back at you. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a medical assistant basically is uh, more of in the medical office setting versus the hospital setting. Mm. Um, we, we do learn the basic skills of taking the person's blood pressures and their vitals and assisting the physician when it comes to minor procedures. So mm. that kind of gives you a good a foundation to know whether or not you have what it takes to move it along. Mm. Okay. Okay. Speaking of moving things along, I, I heard that, you know, in, in the in, in that profession, when you're dealing with folks who allegedly got hurt at work, but, you know, I, I hurt myself, I, I pulled my, 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 I sprained my pinky and now I, I can't work. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, let me be quiet. Wow. Uh, uh, I'm just saying. Um, in other settings, you know, if you're like a nursing assistant, man, you in the trenches, like changing like bedpans. Yeah. And that's stuff like, yeah. Um, so I, 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 I don't do boo boo. So mm. wow. I would not, <laughs> I would not do well in that setting. Well, um, you know, to, to be, to be quite honest, yeah, I got to give major props out to those folks that are doing nursing assisting because that is a huge demand on them. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is a, mm-hmm. It's a very challenging work environment to be in. So much, much props out to them that are able to do that. For sure, for sure. 
And honestly, that nursing assistant is technically what you do your first semester as a student nurse in nursing school. So, uh, so how did you get out of doing that? When you went right to medical versus nursing, did you say you see the bedpan off to the sides? Like, nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. I had to get in the trenches just like everybody else. So when well, you are when you're in now, school, when you say in the trenches, you don't mean like in the trenches. I, in the trenches, sometimes you oh. got to do the things that need to be done. Ward, I, Ward, I'm gonna pass the pan to you, man. I'm good, man. Yes. Yeah, sp speaking of the pan, now when they use that pan, you they have to lift up and slide it under Ooh. while you lay on the bed. Is that how that works? Sometimes, sometimes if they're able to stuff, their stuff mobile, you can have them lift up. If not, you grab a person and you roll them, position the pan and roll them back. Ooh. Okay. What okay. about the, what about the splatter? How do you handle oh. splatter? Oh. Wow. I'm just asking. I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking. For that. Okay. That, that's called that's that's Flat called that. PPE, personal protective equipment. So you you gear up, cover up, and prep up. No, no, and then you throw really. up, but that's okay. Right. Go ahead. right, don't forget that. That's the important part, right there. Uh, <laughs> do not go on Taco Tuesday or cream cream uh, corn yeah. Friday. So there you Man. go. Okay. 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 Wow. Wow. Well, wow. So 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 after it's a natural progression to go from that to the to the uh, uh, what do you call it? What, what what's below the RN? What is that called? An LPN. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what's the difference between the LPN and RN then? Or, um, there's quite a bit of difference. Um, an LPN has to receive direction and, and and they're not able to delegate to other people. Like, like for instance, in the hierarchy, me as an RN, I would direct an LPN what their roles and responsibilities will be for that day or patient care, that kind of thing. Vice versa, the LPN cannot delegate back to me. It's just they don't have the same licensure to be able to do that. So mm. they can delegate to their level down. So mm. that their level down would be a nursing assistant or a tech or that kind of thing. So, okay, you know, in, in a previous life, I did you know some staffing for medical field. So, what what's the difference between RN, a a charge nurse, and a nursing supervisor? Then, actually, there those are just leadership roles. So, in, our, oh, in order in okay. order to be a charge nurse, you do have to have a registered nursing license. Um, and nursing supervisor, you still have to have a registered nurse license. That's the bare minimum you ha you can have to be either a charge nurse or a supervisor. Mm. In between there, there's also something called a house supervisor. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I've, I've done that role quite a few times. It's usually the person that is overseeing the hospital after hours. So like when you're working mm. those long midnight shifts and those third hours, those third um, shift hours, mm -hmm. um, that's the person that's in charge of the hospital during that time okay then well, that's seems like a lot so so if something goes down that person got to figure it out yeah yeah and they and they have the resources i mean they have their admins on call that can, they can reach out to but typically when they need to have a decision made at that point the and the lines drawn in the sand it comes down to that house supervisor to do that mm. so, What's the most challenging uh, thing that happened to you while you were doing the, the house Negro? I mean, the house. Uh, oh. <laughs> the, 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 house <laughs> the house physician. Um, really, it's, it's a more of just making sure that the people that are working in the hospital have what they need. Sometimes it's a matter of um, going in there to help them, whether that's a cold blue and they don't have enough hands on deck and you're in there helping to delegate or even in there doing compressions or just helping the family just to kind of understand what's going on. 
Sometimes mm. it's helping to get a patient ready for a procedure that just happened to come in at like three o'clock in the morning and they needed to quickly get them scrubbed and prepared for that procedure. So house mm. supervisor needs to be able to transition quickly and um, be knowledgeable enough to know when to, yes, to know whether or not that staff is good to go or which needs to intervene. Well, what's a code blue? Uh, when a patient That's discount. Is- Here, I got that answer. That is the discount at... Uh- it's the Kmart when you yeah. have the blue light oh. special. Okay. No? Yeah. Is that the wrong answer? Wrong. Is there a gong that I can hit for those wrong answers? <laughs> I can add that in there. Okay. That's a limit of my knowledge. I'm going to be quiet. Go ahead. So basically a code blue is when a person is in respiratory distress and you're in there to mm. try to, you know, either you're doing compressions or just rescue breathing or you have to have a physician come in and intubate the patient so they can maintain uh, their, their airway. Maintain, intubate, what is yeah, that one? intubate the patient to maintain their airway. It's when you actually put a tube down a patient's throat oh my and God. basically help them breathe. Mm-hmm. I can't now, do that. Now, see, I watch a lot of Chicago Med, so I'm familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. So, so let me ask you this: Now, is that is that realistic and stuff that they actually do on that show? Do you think, or is that that's kind of dramatized just to say, "Ooh, look at that! That's a lot of stuff." That's They're around. very dramatized, uh, especially okay. when you see on the monitor that there's a very fast rhythm, and the reading is like 70. So, okay, <laughs> yes, okay, yes. Yeah, so so they need a technical expert to really show them, "Hey, that that that's beeping too fast. Slow it down a little bit," or is but it really it, that much blood in the ER? I mean, I mean, really, it can, it, it, it can be pretty messy. Yes, Woo! it can. Okay. I've, worked at, I've worked in the ER at a level mm. one trauma center, mm. and they have been some pretty tragic events that happen. And they come in, and you're there trying to put things back together. What, what's the level? I'm sorry for all the questions, but I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What's the level one trauma center mean? So hospitals are have certain designations. So. You can be a level one, meaning that is you're able to receive any type of patient, whether it's a tragic um, car accident or they're having a massive heart attack, they are able to take care of that patient completely. Mm. Then downgrading from there is like a level two or a level three so that they aren't able to do quite as much as a level one. Um, You also have a level three that can't, they typically bandage them up and get them maybe medevac to somewhere else to a level one hospital. So every hospital has a specific designation on what they are allowed to do based on state guidelines and, and federal laws, basically. Mm. So if it's, if it's a situation where uh, something major happened, can't, can't the level two hospital do what a level one does in that case if the level one is overflowing? Um, it depends. Um, the, the real difference between a level one and a level two is um, the types of providers that they have to have on staff um, 24 hours. So you have to have like a trauma doctor on staff 24 hours. If they don't have one, that doctor is just happens to not be on that at that location at the time. Um, they do need to get sent somewhere where they can provide for them. But if that tra- that um, uh, that doctor or that physician is able to care for them within those parameters and be able to keep them stabilized and they have they're able to do that but most of the time if they feel like it's outside of their scope it's after hours they don't have what they need they'll stabilize the patient and then evaluate to see what they need to do as far as next steps Uh, okay let me okay let me let me give a, a practical example of this now now Miss Miss Kimberly, you 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 know my my backstory pretty good, mm-hmm. and, and you know that at a 
at one point I have I was having some real bad serious medical issues and was having to come back from Southern Indiana going back to back to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Now the hospital that I was at, you know, they, they were great for taking care of stuff, but they I, I remember them telling me we can't treat you. And right. I'm, I'm sitting in the ER like what, you can't treat me. Okay, then then I drive myself back home. And that was a no bueno also. So yes, absolutely not. So what I mean, what what if you in a small community? I mean, let's be honest. In Indiana, there are there aren't a lot of big cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Indianapolis, and where else? Seriously, yeah, you have you, know? uh, you have like Fort Wayne. They have like level one South hospitals. Okay, so they got level one. They got level one in Fort Wayne as well. Then so then, what do you do in those instances? I mean, they they're basically, you know. They do their best to, to bandage you up, get you, get you stabi- like stabilized, and get you get you where you where they can get some more in depth medical treatment or care in place. So I mean, mm-hmm. so in in those instances, I mean, dare I say, minutes can make the difference between you know a catastrophic injury and a catastrophic end. If that's the uh, case, absolutely. It's, it's it's and sometimes and understanding that what that person needs at the time is critical to identify that early in the in the efforts. So if you know that this person is having like a cardiac arrest and you don't have the means and you just are able to get them stabilized, the quicker you can get those those parts and pieces in place, the better off that person will be in the end. Like in the case of like a stroke one victim uh, or patient, um, stroke one basically means that they're having a massive stroke and the best thing they can do is to get that person to a facility that can care for them. That's usually by a medevac type of transport. So they'll give them a medication to help reduce any type of possible blockages. um, And that does pose some, some risk. But that risk it far outweighs the actual of what's going on. So if they can get that person medicated and kind of dosed up to what they need to have on board, get them transported in a quick fashion to a hospital that can provide for them, yeah, mm. those minutes do add up and they do help preserve lives. Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned a lot of different positions in this, this nursing uh, stacking. What, what type of nurse did you choose to be and and why that particular one <laughs> this is uh, quite interesting that you say this so um, I chose to start my career in emergency medicine um, like I said I, when I was before I had my license I worked as a student nurse at one of the largest level one hospitals in Indianapolis there's actually two level one hospitals here in Indianapolis I actually worked at both of them but I started, Which one's better? Which one's better? So we, I mean, hypothetically, right? Yeah. That's well, cool. it's interesting I, that it's, it's interesting that you say that because the physicians that work at one hospital level one also work at the other one. Oh, I okay. Do it. See that, man? Yeah, and that's because they have um, because IU Med, IU Medicine, uh, IU School of Medicine is here in Indiana, and they are able to practice at both. Eskenazi, which was when I was there, Wishard, and also at Methodist, which is um, part of the IU health system. So, mm-hmm. but long story short, about why I chose ED, um, I think that was that's twofold. Um, like I said earlier, um, when my sister was killed in a car accident, it was the emergency room nurses that kind of helped me kind of get through that um, that emotional situation. But then I also realized my own personality and what I had tolerance for. 
Um, I'm not the type of person, believe it or not, that wants to fluff their pillows and like, are you okay? And hold your hand. I'm kind of the person that says, up or out. Either we're sending you upstairs or you're going out the door. So either we're going to do what we need to do, get you taken care of, get you to the point of where you need to be. But I really don't want to see you 12 hours later when I come in for my next show. So, wow. So, not, and, and that's just because I am not Gun a person. Smoke. No, 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 no. Let me, <laughs> let, let me, let me explain why that is. Sure. I, I tend to internalize a lot of things, and it's better for me to have that hard disconnect versus taking all that home and internalizing all the emotions that patients can can bring on you. So for me, I have to have a hard stop and say, okay, this is my role. This is your role. And that's the boundary that I just can't cross in that position. Mm -hmm. um, so, so you're not about the long-term continual care type stuff. You're like, hey, I'll flush your fluffy pillow once and then that's it. That's it. Now, you, you, in my world, you're fortunate to have a pillow in the emergency department. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, so, I've, heard, so. I've heard of a run out of pillow. Yeah, that's true. So, and most of the time, you don't want your patients having a, a, a pillow sometimes too because of the procedures that you're having to do in the emergency mm -hmm. room. So that's, mm -hmm. that's not mm -hmm. something that's a necessity. So, but fortunately, there are nurses that do like that long continual care. So that's why we have a well mix of nursing professionals. Well, you said, uh, you mentioned it's like a hard disconnect. So at the end of your shift, if the shift is almost over, you just going to unplug them or, and go home? Or, <laughs> they, they live, they die, they die no, outside the parking no, lot? No, no, no. <laughs> like, I got to go. I'm no, going to see you tomorrow. No, you got no. five minutes to get up out of this bed, Lazarus. I <laughs> <laughs> Come on out. <laughs> no, it's not that type of disconnect, okay? It's an emotional disconnect for me. Oh, so. okay. Gotcha, okay. gotcha. Okay, oh, I'm about to say. Because, yeah. you oh. know, cold blue be like cold black and blue be out. You know? Right, yeah, I got to go. No, 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 cold no, blue become no. club. Got to go to the club. <laughs> no, no. Shut it down, cold. shut it down. Shut right. it down. <laughs> so, well, how do you think the public views nurses? Do you think that they're liked, loved, admired, hated, desired? I mean, what, what do you think they want to be? You know, it's interesting that you say that. There are times that I've been out and just in the public area and I may have had scrubs on or whatever. And they'll say, hey, what do you do? And you tell them I'm a nurse and they'll, they're instantly wanting to engage in conversation with you. Um, and then nine times out of 10, that person will say, hey, thank you for what you do. And I do appreciate, I do think that coming out of the pandemic and like going through all that, people have become more appreciative of what healthcare in general is trying to do, but specifically the nurses that were in the trenches trying to help get, take care of patients that were on their, for lack of a better word, on their literal deathbed. So I think people have now, um, not that they didn't before, I think they have a greater appreciation for nurses and the things yeah, that they definitely. do. So I think um, not that we ever want to go through a pandemic or have that kind of uh, world crisis but it is nice to know that when you're going through it and someone takes a minute to say thank you that means a lot mm -hmm. you know uh i work at steak and shake part-time and i went through the pandemic and it had the same uh effect people have appreciation for me too because they were dying too so people were able to get those hamburgers and fries and, and, and shakes okay well where's where gong at where's <laughs> uh, gong <laughs> uh, i don't know but you know i will say along with uh nurses and steak and shake waiter uh wardy over here but also teachers because oh yeah lord, lord knows yeah. you know the 
it's, it's, it, it was about to be a few emergencies at the house with some of these kids being home. Man. So I'm, yep. I'm letting you know. Then we need nurses I, there. You're right, I'm, Seattle. I'm just home. saying. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell a kid, walk it off. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, one, off. that's one thankless profession, too. That the Teachers have a, yeah, that's a thankless profession, and I feel for yeah. them because just like um, they're hard finding teachers to, you know, to deal with just what we're dealing with with life, um, nursing has has already been in a critical nursing shortage mm-hmm. yeah, for um, a long time. In twenty twenty, when the pandemic hit and all those nurses were dealing with that, there has been an increased amount of nursing shortages because nurses have decided that they no longer want to be in the profession, given the fact that they didn't have the support that they really needed at the beginning and the things that they really had to push through and the lack of supplies and the lack of equipment and having um, to work 24 hours at a time at the, at some, in some cases. So now mm. we're seeing the effects of that where um, I know one hospital in particular um, wasn't able to open up specific units um, because, uh, and have the beds available because they didn't have any nurses. So wow. we're, we're, we're seeing that, that, that after, aftermath of nurses now having the the thought process of you know i've done what i can do i don't want to do this anymore and it's really sad because we still need our nurses and our and our my colleagues to be there but sometimes when you're dealt with blows like that time and time again um you just want to just find something else to kind of alleviate and and divert your thoughts so So how would you get more how do you how do you draw more talent to the, to the industry when you find that there's a vacuum happening where folks are leaving uh, at a at a higher rate than folks are actually entering? Do you do you, do you go out and do like uh, seminars or educations or fact finding or what do you what do you do to get more folks involved into the nursing profession? I think you do all of the above. I think mm. right now um, people are taking the easy way out and just kind of throwing money at people that um, basically are nurses that have left a career prior to the pandemic and trying to get them to come back to say, hey, we'll pay you X number of dollars if you come back. But I think it's more to it than that. You know, part of my I feel part of my responsibility as a nurse is to go back and pull up the student nurses that are in there trying to get through that program. Mm-hmm. So from time to time, I will go and, and give lectures and do presentations to um, capstone students that are ready to launch the career. They're wrapping up their nursing um, schooling. And I go in there and I just talk to them, be real with them, tell them what to expect, tell them how they can avoid some of the things that no one told me to be aware of and really just try to, to manage them up so that they are not walking in blind saying oh this is a great career because of, of the pay and the benefits it's it, you need more than that to stay in this profession but most nurses coming out of school they i mean they can't go right into like the the higher echelon like 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 peds or or, or needle care needle needle care or icu they got to start off no, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. So, as I as I told you earlier, you know, like when when I was when you're in when you're in school, you're doing things called clinicals, and you're, so you're going through and getting the clinical training while you're in school. So, like I said, the first semester in nursing school, typically you're working in a nursing home. So that's you know, yeah. Then you, as you advance in the understanding and the in the education, then that corresponds to the clinical training. So when you are doing your medical med surge rotation, you're in a med surge clinical rotation. So you're able to apply the knowledge 
to the real world, but, mm. in a, but in a protective environment because you're not just out there willy-nilly by yourself. You're working with your professors, you're working with other nurses and helping to get that training that you learned head knowledge and now able to put it into hands and working hands-on. Yeah. But how do you, how do you get a, a student who who is you can see is very talented and they're shying away from it from the acute care and would decide you know what I think I'm gonna stick with with subacute or ambulatory care versus getting into the real nuts and bolts of hey hold this while this because it's leaking and we gotta save this life how do you get them to go in there I mean, that, that that's that honestly that's gonna happen regardless I mean you just like any other career let's take teaching for instance you'll have teachers that want to work with kindergartners that don't want to work with um um high school students mm, so you're, okay. you're, gonna, you're gonna have a mix like that so i will get nurses or student nurses that be like i definitely want to go in ob i definitely want to work with pediatrics i definitely want to work in icu so regardless of where they actually start at we still need nurses in all of those disciplines but okay now here's here's where i'm going to come in like like the boss now the now the, the healthcare system will say hey you know what yeah we hired you for this but guess what because we're in a push this is where we're going to place you and because you're working for this institution you got to work here it's be good or be gone is that well, true that's, that's not that's not quite how that works so. ah, i need so, to be a nurse because i'm like i'm gonna write my own ticket but i can't right. no, no, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no 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 so you can't expect like a med search nurse to just go into a ob unit and just start working those are different skills. No, no, I'm that, saying an OB nurse is having forced to go work in a different department. That, that's 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 typical, honestly. Ooh, I mean, because okay. here, let me let me explain why. Because you might specialize in a in a certain um, discipline. Like maybe I specialize in OB. Mm-hmm. However, we only have three babies on the unit. There's 16 nurses. Because I have the skills of a nurse to take care of a patient, mm-hmm. like vitals and giving meds and doing that kind of work, that's basic knowledge every nurse has to have no matter what. So we all have that same foundation. Whether you choose to specialize in something else is regardless. So you can take a specialized nurse and put them in a med surgery unit because they have that training. You just you, you just can't flip it the other way. You can't right, right. Med search. Yeah. I just got. I see like like a cath lab nurse be like, hey, you know what? I'm just, you can't move me because you know if there's no procedures going on, that means they're gonna be put on where they need them. Though, right? Is that what's gonna happen? It, uh, sometimes it also depends on what that nurse's previous experience was. So not every. I worked in the cath lab, and um, if I was asked to go to another unit, it would likely say, hey, Kim, can you go work in the ED because that was my background. Someone else may have had a background in surgery, in surgery, like general surgery. They may be asked to go work in general surgery. So it, it just depends on a lot of factors. You can't just say, "Hey, nurse, you have an RN, go plop them here." You still want, want to remember patient safety. It's, yeah, I mean, that's that's okay. Well, here's the next question I have for you. But if there's been a certain length of time since you've been in a different department, do they kind of say like, mm, "Maybe we should just kind of keep you over here because old Gladys, you know, she's been working in <laughs> old Gladys. In, well, she's been in with, wow. with the babies." Uh, I'm sorry, young Gladys. There you go. Who doesn't have a lot of experience shouldn't be moved into a different department just because she's a nurse. You know what I'm saying? Well, no. Let me let me let me push back on that a little bit. So, uh, well, push when, back when I when you push trans- back, circle back. So that's when you have to have um one of the th- let me let me let me phrase this first. Nurses have to have critical thinking to be successful. And so part of critical thinking, especially as a manager or as a supervisor, is understanding what level, what expertise my nurses have. 
Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to plop a nurse somewhere and it's a busy med surge unit, I'm not going to give that nurse or the the most complex patients on that unit. I'm going to give them the ones that take a little bit less care, not, not as much um, resources will be needed. So you evaluate your nurse, you evaluate the environment that you're putting them in, and you match them up with the type of patients that you know that they can handle. Mm, so you give old Gladys uh, the IBS with the bedpan and say, here, you, you stand over here, huh? <laughs> Not <Wow>. necessarily. <laughs> well, I have an issue with that because it seems like you're punishing your good workers with more work and the workers who don't have the skills or want the skills, they're good. you're going to put him on not the IBS person, but the, the stub toe person. So Oh, Gladys is getting worked to death. Were you saying? No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me hear me when I say when you're giving up the nurse, there's a certain max number of patients that they can have. So everyone's going to get their fair share of working. So just because I'm I'm being shifted to somewhere else, typically on a med surge unit, it's one nurse to every four or five patients top. So every nurse is going to have the same. It's not just me having that one patient. It's me having four or five patients. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is typical, which is different from an ICU nurse because of the complexity of those patients. They usually have one to two, sometimes even one to one, Mm -hmm. because they because they require so much. Mm -hmm. So my one to one patient, I might have just one patient or maybe one and a half, where I'm tag teaming another patient with another nurse, might be much more time consuming and demanding than a nurse that has a one to four ratio. Okay, let me ask this. Let me ask it. So if I'm a patient and old Gladys comes in my room and <laughs> I don't want old Gladys because she smelled like Ben Gay. Can I request another nurse after you decide that this is what I need? Well, there's always opportunity for your patients to say, you know what, I would prefer a, a different type of nurse or a different whatever, but it has to be a valid reason. Having a Ben Gay smell is not a valid reason. If she's not providing you the care, or if there's an mm. issue with that, then that's the conversation that that manager needs to have with the patient so that everyone can be on the same page. Okay. It's not just a matter of just saying, oh, I don't like this nurse, don't, don't bring her back. There's got to be some more intervention and conversations before that that change can happen. Well, well hypothetically, Kimberly Ray, I had a nurse, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll say hypothetically because I don't want to embarrass myself too much, but she had rough hands. Man, <laughs> man, hands. She had my yes. hands. And and, and I, I here's hear, hear me out for just a second. I know that as a man, you know, we will never experience the 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 joy that comes with with childbirth. But I had a tooth one uh, time what? that. Joy. We, we will never have that that joy. I, I say I'm joy. Cool with that. <laughs> okay, but I I had an exposed nerve in my in my mouth from a cracked tooth. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's no 24 hour dentist at the time. Had to go to an ER to get a treatment, and I was literally going out of my mind. This man hand nurse, <laughs> my uh, hand. You know, yeah, man handled me. <laughs> that, that knocked me out, and I woke up at home yeah, the next day. Yeah. Dang, so I was not shot. satisfied with my quality. Can I work up with the welt on? <laughs> not even. I let's just say this: I did not get the shot in my arm either. I'll, yeah. I'll say that as well too. I think she hit a, she hit bone. Let me just say that, but she struck oh, that needle. Well, so I, I, I can't, I can't say one way or the other the yeah, care that there. you received. However, I do know that every nurse has their own. Um, technique in how they do things well she was doing deep tissue thrust into my si- my side that's all <laughs> Ooh, i know i don't know if i like this I feel, <laughs> this the, you know what let me ask another question <laughs> here's a two-part question I okay know, 
I wonder if anybody can be a nurse because I know for many nursing students, taking that NCLEX exam is probably one of the most difficult and stressful moments in their nursing education. Mm-hmm. So I think I think your resolve would be tested, your critical critical thinking skills are being tested. Even your commitment to this chosen profession in nursing could be tested. How did you approach that? Um, I think you have to approach that early in nursing school because but the, incl- the the tests that you take in school, the, the prep work that you go through are basically helping you to gear up for that NCLEX. So it should not be foreign to you, the, t- the types of questions that you're seeing on the NCLEX. They should be somewhat similar to what how you go about answering questions when you're in nursing school. The trick, though, is how fast can you develop critical thinking skills and how fast can you recognize the right answer when you have four right answers? What? Mm. What? Oh, yeah. the best answer. The best answer. Right. So, so let, let's 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 do this. Let me let me give you a scenario. Let's see how well y'all do this. Okay. Mm. Let's let's play this out. So, I see, you see a patient or a person laying on the ground. They're laying face down on their belly. I'm out. There's no gory, nothing gory, but they're not awake. They're they're unconscious. Mm -hmm. So what's the first thing you're going to do? Are you going to start rescue breathing? Are you going to um, check their pulse? Are you going to call for help? Are you going to stand there and just be in shock? Check their pulse. Call for help. Oh, right, hold on. That stand there. Let me let me change one of my answers. Um, turn them over. You, oh, okay. I'm gonna turn them over then. Right. So you want so <laughs> yeah, the thought. <laughs> so so the, the reason why I'm I'm saying that because people want to go through go and just do the the thing that they think is the right answer off the top like that that most. Um, the more complicated thing to do. So some might someone might say, well, they're not breathing. I'm going to um, start rescue breaths. Well, technically, they might not be breathing well because there's something that's pressing against their chest that's causing them not to breathe. So if you turn them over... You make it worse. You you turn them over, and then you can see whether or not that helps them start breathing. No, no, I was... What if turning them over makes it worse, though? That's what I'm saying. Don't you want to check okay. their pulse? You got to do something. Okay, okay, okay but, you, but you technically can't, shouldn't be tech, checking their pulse on their belly. Uh, on their, you, so so when you see it on TV and they check, they touch their neck, that's, what they, that's wrong. wrong, too? He watching right. TV. <laughs> okay, but, we already I'm told just, him I'm, TV I'm, wrong. I'm telling you about the NCLEX, okay? So okay, what, what, all right. What you right. do is to do, apply critical thinking. Say, okay, I can't really, I cannot, as a nurse, assess whether or not that patient is really breathing or not when they're laying on their belly. That's the point. So to know mm. whether or not that person is really breathing, that I need to turn them over and see if I'm seeing the rise and fall of the chest. If I if that's happening, great. If it's not happening, then I can go into check their pulse and start rescue breathing. But it's, it's the logic behind what you're seeing and applying what's that very next level of care you need to provide. Well, I know I wouldn't do the, what you call that? The breath, what's it called? The Rescue breathing. I'm not doing that because if the person is dying and I'm giving them rescue breath, death mess around and get a two for one and kill both of us. So I'm going to well, have to well, say. Well, Ward, remember that one time that you didn't carry those Tic Tacs, so you may not want to do that anyway. So. Hey, if, if my breath's kicking and he's dying, I don't think he care about that. It may bring them back. Hey, she said it's one patient. 
one one nurse to five patients, so I can have four that night. Whatever. <laughs> so, oh, who, what's the most oh. challenging part of being a new nurse? What, what, is it is it the fear, um, the unknown, or because I think when you're in, when you're in school, you really don't get to work on the real people, do you? Uh, yeah, you do. What? <laughs> you did, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. You mean to tell me I could have been in a hospital had a, had a, a non graduated nurse working on me? That's what happened, Detroit. Right? That's what happened. That let, okay, let's step back. Okay. I said. Because I need to discount on my bill then. Okay, I, wait, I wait. Hear, hear me out. When you are a nurse and you're in a student nurse role, you are under the supervision of another nurse. You will never fly solo by themselves. So they are working with people alongside another registered nurse. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So now that I've become a nurse, let's just say I, today I've graduated, I've passed my NCLEX, I have my license. That still does not entitle me to go out and start seeing, taking care of patients on my own. Why not now? Well, because you still now, so you, once you get your NCLEX, that's just saying that you have now successfully passed a nursing course or uh, schooling to, to be licensed to practice. However, now you have to go through the training of being a nurse at, mm. at a facility as a nurse. So you don't just become a registered nurse and go off and take care of your four patients. You are still mentored by someone else for at least three to four months. Dang. Hmm. So, so maybe we should send police officers in to train with nurses before we turn them loose. You, you know. Mm. Interesting. So, okay. So, why are there so few male nurses? Um, I think it has a lot to do with the, the st- stigma that's associated with it. It's just no different than there's not as many female physicians as there are male physicians. It's just about uh, the stigma that society tends to place on that. Uh, we are seeing a trend now where there are becoming more males are becoming nurses. It's, it's actually every year that number tends continues to increase, but it's really about the social um, differences that people want to portray what a, what they perceive a nurse should look like. Uh-huh. So, so who knows more, the nurse or the doctor, or is it the same? They're, it's different. Um, we all have our own level. Of course, the physician is going to know a lot more because they have a, well, at least six or seven more years of schooling regarding mm-hmm. the physiological um, workings of a human. Um, they need to understand to quickly recognize what's right from not right and then diagnose, which is different than what a nurse can do. I can provide a nursing assessment a nursing diagnosis saying, hey, I believe this to be true, but only a physician can truly diagnose and say, you have diabetes or you have cancer. No one other than a physician can do that. Let me ask this. Mm. What, what, what's the lady's name, Trey? Oh, what? Oh, Linda? Oh, Gladys. Gladys. Oh, yeah. Who knows more? Oh, oh, Gladys, who's been working in the NER for 30 years or the first year resident doctor? Well, probably <laughs> old Gladys. And that's just because she's been doing it a lot longer. Okay. He, he might have more book knowledge and what he's supposed to be doing. I, I kid you not. Um, my, the worst time of year that oh, used to drive me crazy is um, June and July. But that's when the med students became first year residents. And that whole transition period is just awkwardly painful. And and uh, helping them to appreciate their new role while, now, while 
helping them understand, please don't get in my way while you're trying to learn something <laughs> because wow. I still have a job to do. Mm. Um, yeah, I can tell you some stories about my days in the emergency department regarding that transition period. So. Our first year doctors call short coats or something like that? Short jackets? Th those are medical students. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, medical students wear the shorter coats. Once they become physicians or, or their first year resident, then they have a long coat. See, they should have told me that a long time ago because I didn't know. I didn't know which one to come in. One dude came, he had a medium coat on. I was confused. I hey, I had one guy came in wearing a sweater vest, so I don't <laughs> And it was a medium. <laughs> I was like, dude, really? <laughs> okay, here's my last question on nursing. Uh-huh. Is COVID real? And uh, why are they pushing so hard to get people to take it and, and telling people it's a cure when I definitely don't think it's a cure? Okay, COVID is real. It is a a a viral um, disease that has been killing lots of people. So for people to say that it is not real, it just makes me cringe because they weren't in the hospitals trying to take care of these people while they're in life or death hands, to be quite honest. Mm. Now, regarding the vaccination, is it a cure? Well, there are no cures for viruses. That's just that's just a fact. The purpose of a vaccination is to reduce the severity of something should you should you get it. So just like I may have been, so fully vaccinated, yes, I am. Um, however, does that prevent me from getting COVID? Absolutely not. Because viruses morph and they change and they can do all kinds of things. But the purpose of a vaccination is to reduce the severity so I don't end up in the hospital. My chances are greatly reduced so I don't end up on someone else's um, hospital system or in a hospital bed because of not wanting to take a vaccination. Still, hey, Why don't still, they say that? Why don't they just say that? It's not a cure then, instead of well, telling well, everybody. I, I think that's just because of uh, whatever media source you're looking at, honestly. Mm. I mean, some some media sources want to lean towards, well, it's a cure, or you can go back to living your life. And other media sources are more or conservative. I am not going to say one way or the other what those media sources, what they say is right or wrong. I'm going to tell you from a nursing perspective, Vaccinations are not a cure. You can still get some form of a virus being fully vaccinated. Again, it's just to release the severity of whatever you encounter. All right, so, I, I, I got a question on that. Thing. Trey so, watch Fox News all the time. I watch all news sources <laughs> just to get a balanced view. But anyway, that being said, um, I've had instances, and I got underlying health conditions that I, that I know that I have to monitor that type of stuff as well. Um, I, I just... I, I paused with how quickly this this vaccination came out, you know, fast track to get everything done. These mass testings to ensure that they had an, enough sampling to determine is this a viable source for treatment, not cure, but treatment. Mm -hmm. I've had instances personally for myself, the flu vaccination where, where it worked like a charm, but I did get sick. I've had other instances where I've had the flu vaccination and I got sicker than a dog with the flu. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, you know, what 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 do you do? I know it's a personal decision, but it's, it's kind of like a catch 22. You get sick, you don't get sick. I could have had COVID already, not even known it. I mean, I didn't have things stuck to the back of my skull and scraping my, my cranium. But, you know, I've, there's been times where I've been concerned about it. There's been other times where, you know what, it's kind of like, what do you do? So... 
well, that's where I am right now. Okay, regarding the fast track of the vaccinations, that was probably something that people had the most concern about. However, when you're living or dealing with a pandemic, you need to pull all your resources together and work through those issues a lot quicker than you normally would. Mm-hmm. So, so duly noted, coronavirus is not new. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. COVID nineteen is a new type of coronavirus. So, yeah. So let's explain what that means. So COVID nineteen is the co is the coronavirus. The, the the so the the ID piece so COV is the coronavirus name the ID is just the identification of when it got it was discovered or identified which was in nineteen as in twenty nineteen as in twenty nineteen hold so, up now ho 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 wait a minute you mean people who identified this over two years ago. Right. They have been, so it has been identified. It was originally identified as in 2019, thus the name COVID 19. It became a pandemic in 2020. So when people right. say things were fast tracked and they're only looking at it through the narrow lens of 2020. But mm. since it was identified in 19, that means they've actually started working on it a year prior to that. So then what about this Delta variant that's come up as a result? Is that a variant of COVID-19 that was established or identified in 2019? Or is it something new that you're saying, hey, you know what? This treatment may not work because it's a little bit different. No, you're, you're asking totally different questions. So Okay, so well, I'm, I'm, coming from, I'm coming from a Band-Aid sticky down perspective. So, <laughs> let me so, the, first, so the first part is, uh, the variant is just like when you have the flu. So a flu has variants also. So mm-hmm. every year there's a different strain. So because COVID-19 has infected the population worldwide and how people may have responded to um, whether or not they should wear a mask or not wear a mask, that that intermingling with their own body chemistries and all that kind of um, exposure to other people causes variants to happen. So when I cough and I may have no issues with COVID-19, someone inhales my cough, then they, how their body processes it could cause a variant because of how whatever they do is produced. So just like with, with any other virus, like the flu, most common one, every year there's a new strand. So every year, because of how this has spread, the variants will likely continue to be, and we will continue to have to deal with this over over time. So are there going to be instances where if this is a true treatment and not a cure, are people going to have to get COVID shots every year, like a or, flu shot? It's possible. Boosters. boosters, boosters yeah. Possibly, Woo. because it, here's why. Because mm. given the fact that, yes, it was... Um, a quickly produced vaccination, not saying that it wasn't studied and researched and all their due diligence wasn't done, I'm not saying that at all, but because we truly need time to see how a response to a vaccination occurs over time, to know whether or not we've built up that herd immunity. And that herd immunity is the saying, when most of the population has either received the vaccination or have been immunized by way of having COVID, then you'll better understand how to respond to any type of variations that come about. I've mm. heard that term, herd community. I never understood it. So, herd immunity. So again, that that's basically trying to get as many people 
vaccinated as possible so that uh, it lessens the spread? Correct. It lessens the severity, I should say. So, so then it, if a person, okay, hypothetically, if a person's had COVID, and we know they could probably get it again, but if they've had COVID and they their their body has built up the, the national natural immunity to that that particular strand, do they have to get or dare I say should they have to get that shot that's been offered right now, even though they've been exposed, their body's built up an immunity to it mm, locally. Good question. So then what's what's the point of getting the shot then if this is not if it's not gonna do anything different for them? To lessen because, the severity. To lessen the severity. So you so mm. how you receive that COVID. Um, how you how that person may have um, contracted COVID mm-hmm. could have been could have been by way of a variant. It may not have been the main strain. So you are basically protecting yourself further by getting the vaccination. Again, personal choice because mm-hmm. I've had I've had some people that um, have said, um, you know, I don't I'm not getting the vaccination. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And they ended up with COVID. And because of the role that I have in my job, they have to call. When people get sick, they have to call in to me to let me know what's going on with them to know whether or not I can release them to return back to work. Well, mm. in particular, I've had some employees that would say, you know what, I've tested positive. I feel like I'm going to die of all the things. Mm-hmm. Think the same person that refused to get the vaccination. I'll say nine times out of 10, those people will then say, as soon as I'm able to get the vac- vaccination, I'm getting the vaccine. I'm not going through this again because they've realized that health is, helps to lessen the <clears throat> severity should they get it again. Okay, let me ask you this. Now, in your in your experience, and I know it's not all encompassing, but have there been individuals who have gotten the the, the COVID vaccination, come down with a a serious condition related to COVID, and still have to go on a ventilator or uh, intubated and all the stuff that happens? Has that still happened? I can't answer that because I'm not working in that environment. I'm sure that okay. there. I'm sure. Okay. That, no, no. Seriously, I don't. No, know I that, understand. No, I understand. Yeah, I. I I believe that that probably has happened, but I can't mm. say one way or the other. But okay. there are also things that could have happened that may have been other causes that for them to end up on a ventilation. Yeah. There's so many times people have been saying, oh, you know, I get the underlying conditions, but everything, the, the cause of death is COVID. You know, if, right. if you get yeah, high everything. high blood pressure and, and diabetes and high cholesterol, you, you, you eat three greasy cheeseburgers with Gladys after work every day. And you have you, mm-hmm. you you have a coronary situation or cardiac arrest, and the autopsy comes back. Well, he, there's a COVID strand, so it's COVID. How accurate is is are, is it when it actually says that though? Well, again, all I can say is, if a person has been um, pronounced dead and they they say it's due to COVID, that's t- that's probably going to happen during a pandemic. Uh, mm. To be quite honest, people are going to be relating it all to the cause of it because mm. that that virus has affected it so much and had their underlying conditions so much that if they had not gotten COVID, then those underlying conditions may not have been the cause of their death. Mm. So the so COVID caused the blockage then? No, I'm saying COVID possibly caused those underlying conditions to worsen exasperate them as you're saying exactly make them worse so so if they had not gotten COVID and they still had those underlying conditions they may or may not still be walking on the earth who there's it's hard to say so 
if they've tested positive and they have underlying conditions, it's always, it will likely default to COVID because that was the thing that probably made those things, other things worse. Basically the last nail, that's what you're saying. Yes. But, well, that's, but I'm not a doctor. Just let me put that back I, out there. I know. <laughs> and I, and I, I only play one on TV when I watch Chicago Med. So that's okay. all I'm saying. Yeah, I just, so, I, I just have any cautious on, on what I'm saying because I, I want people to understand that this is just a personal perspective, not, not a medical diagnosis or perspective. Gotcha. Okay. What, what, what do you think we can do to get more people to take the shot? Because it's my understanding that the people who've already taken the shot, those ones who want to take it, the rest are kind of like on the fence, like they're voting for the president or something. They, they're like, hey, man, I ain't really doing this, you know? And it, I mean, just what, what, what can they do to, if they really want people to take, what, what can they do to get them to do it? Continue to educate people about the benefits, how those outweigh the risks and help them to appreciate that this is not just going to go away on its own, that there has to be some sort of means to help people survive this virus. And uh, truly it's going to be up to that person, but the goal should not be what the political um, agendas are. Oh, the, yeah. goal, the goal should really be what is the best for humanity, regardless of this, uh, your political affiliation, the, the country that you live in, regardless of that, because this is not a United States issue. It's not a, a Korean or Asian issue. It's not a Russia or, or Germany thing. It's a worldwide issue. So how, do, how, how you educate those populations and try to keep it less about the, those agendas and what's mm. right for humans will help people to make a better decision. Yeah, I think a lot of people have different ways to do it. Like come to me with a celebrity trying to get me to do something never works for me. Never. And, no, and I, no. I've seen that so many times. Like why would I listen to him? Because he's getting paid. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, my philosophy is if you want to reach the heart of a person, speak from the heart. Mm, good point. Let me write that down. Do do you uh do you have to be super smart to be a nurse, or can any idiot off the street walking in? I don't want no I... dumb nurse working on me, man. <laughs> well, hey, you got that that tooth issue, so you know you hey, may have had one. Hey, that didn't say she was dumb. I just said she had rough hands, man. Oh, that's right, my hands. Well, well my there's, hands. A, there's a lot of factors that play into whether or not you're going to be a successful nurse. Just because you pass the NCLEX does not make you automatically say you're going to be a successful nurse you may not have the stamina or the the application of your knowledge to be able to be successful so it's, it's got to be a holistic approach to the success of whether or not you're going to be a be a good nurse so do you push those nurses into an administrative role like <laughs> you go do filing I'm, I'm right. just asking because I know they don't yeah. get fired. I, I've never seen a nurse get fired. Oh, there's been nurses that gotten fired. Oh yeah, mm. absolutely there has. I mean, when you did, when you put patients' lives in jeopardy, absolutely they're gonna fire you. Now, you just go to another not, hospital. Not necessarily, because because your license can be taken from you. Is that just once you receive your license, does it not mean that you don't have opportunities where you do something so foul that you can still retain a license? So they, they just can't put you into like an office setting doing filing or, or administrative like, stuff if you lose it? Like a cop. Well, I don't know about that because I have not experienced it. I just know that when a nurse is fired and it has something to do that, 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 that 
that firing is so severe that you now are calling the board of professionals regarding that nurse, they could suspend her license. So it's not a matter of just shifting her from one role to another. It's a matter of you've caused harm. Now we believe that that harm was intentional. We need to do something about it. Now, if that person is a nurse and they've done that, they're no, absolutely not. That puts the hospital at risk to put them in a different position. They have to let that person completely go. Okay. Then, then the nursing board gets involved to know whether or not you can keep your license. But how does that work out if you get a person who's like a traveling nurse that, that moves from state to state to state? How do they keep tabs on that type of stuff? You, you still have to have a license in, uh, under review. So you still, so if I have a license in Indiana and I happen to get a license in Ohio, if I do something, those license, those licenses can be tracked. Oh, well, you so get that, to, can you bring it down to become like a CNA again then? I'm sure you can, but, it, but they will ask you why, 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 are you <laughs> why would you want to? Why are you exactly. going to do bedpans? Exactly. <laughs> and you've right. been an ER nurse. I, I just right. lost my passion for nursing. I mean, <laughs> I just love bedpans. I just, yeah, I miss it. I miss lifting heavy lift. My hands are big. I got, I got my hands. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, people can always try to beat the system, but when it comes to things like that, there are protocols and processes in place to help prevent that. Like some states are called compact states where you have one license for multiple states. Mm-hmm. Like where they can like okay I'm licensed in Florida Texas and I'm gonna say Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working in any one of those states and I do something horrific, it's, it's communicated. All, it's, it's all tied to one license. Oh wow, man, that's crazy. No, that's but, a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, you, they should do that with law enforcement. That's what I said. I was thinking. I was like, wow, this is this is <laughs> man. They got a wow. you got a compact. Uh, uh, no license for police departments. There you go. They definitely should do that. But you know, we can have another show on that. But right now, we got to transition mm-hmm. over to uh, one of my favorite parts of the show, where we do this thing called getting to know you. Where we're just going to ask you two or three, maybe ten questions, just definitely ten, just just to see your thoughts on things. So, uh, can you tell us, Kimberly Ray? Can you can you rap something like Rob Bass or anything? <laughs> or what's your what's your secret talent? Do you have one? <laughs> You know, I used to think that I had a secret talent, <laughs> but uh, what was that? Gonna... The public. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I, I feel get... like I feel like you're going somewhere with this. Oh, no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just throwing something out there. Uh, well, first... well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What, tell me. There was one time where I was trying to explain what is rapping to a non-American person. And it was in nursing school, actually. We were in one yeah. of my, my, my communication classes. And so yeah. I opted to demonstrate this rap unsuccessfully. So, yes, there was a, it was that a talent of mine, but I came home and shared that with some friends and family. And to this day, I cannot seem to let that go. So, well, yeah. How did, how did the rap go? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, what was your very, very first job? My very, very first job was working at Little Caesars. Okay. Back when they had two pizzas for the price of one. Yeah, and the Little Caesars that I worked at actually was a dine-in restaurant. And it Get had out of like here. A, it had a full-screen movie theater in there. And then on some nights, it had, a band, it had a band that would play. 
Yeah, wow. it was it was it was pretty pretty half the place. That must have been a long time ago. Yeah. And and that was the first little Caesars ever built too. It no, was like before no. it was, there was like pizza before it's pizza pizza. Right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> no, hey, whatever. Trey, Trey, it was called Little Caesars Dine In Pizza Restaurant Hair Salon. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh here. But it was a good environment. We I used to go there almost every couple of weeks with my family and friends, and we'd we'd eat there have a big long table and several pizzas and my manager's name my manager's name was Bob and he loved our family he would give us free food or crazy bread and the the most famous salad was the the Maurice salad so yeah it was a great job okay go ahead all right here's here's what is one thing that people love that you cannot stand Mushrooms, right? So, you, right. so What's a mushroom name? pizza would have been your nightmare, Ooh, huh? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, yeah. Just the thought of it just makes me cringe. Yeah. Okay. Mushroom, mushroom is really chopped up tires. That's really. What I, I agree. I would agree with that. And they try Something to play it off. People. Play, try to play it off with some type of you food. You people. Should, yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. Someone uh-huh. said, hey, you know what? Hey, Ward, we should sneak some into her food and see if she oh, can make Someone, it. someone right. tried that once. Someone tried that once. My sister tried to sneak a mushroom into my hamburger. And I can as tell. As I bit into it, I knew. I was like, "What I can is tell. This, this? Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Absolutely I, not. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't. I don't eat anything that'll grow beside a toilet. I won't do it. I hear you. Go ahead. Wow. Try. Okay. Here's another question for you, food related. Uh, free gas for two years or free food for five years? Which would you take? The way gas is going. But wait, shoot. let me think about this for a minute. Free food for five years. Five long years. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with the food because that way I can buy me an electric car. That's right. Uh, okay. Okay. How about this one? What's a movie you can watch over and over again? Or, or TV show? Or TV show? Oh, can, can it just be like the whole Marvel series? Like anything like Captain America all the way down to like wow. Ant-Man? Wow. <laughs> wow, okay. the whole thing. Oh, or, wow. or, Everyone or, 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 and just as competitive as all the Star Wars series. From A New Hope to Star Wars. Oh, yes. no. I thought you meant Star Trek. You said Star oh, Wars. You no, lost no, 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 no. Don't do the Trekkie thing. That, that's a geek. Oh, wow. That's a geek. <laughs> I love Star Trek. I don't like Star Wars. Uh, yeah, okay, Ward, that, you lost a friend, but that's fine. You know, <laughs> people don't like you anyway, so. I don't. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, Nurse Mahan's like me, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll take Gladys then. But the... <laughs> what, what is there, uh, what is your uh, biggest regret something that you wish you would have done biggest regret mm, biggest regret probably leaving that pizza joint because you could have <laughs> stayed in there got some free slices no she could have got stock um, in there and franchise that joint that's a good question um, probably traveled more honestly mm-hmm. I, I, I would have said you know starting an own, my own business but that that was something that I was, I was able to do but probably traveled more like to like I don't know, France or Italy or yeah, yeah. something something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. How, how about this? As a quick question then. If you had the opportunity to um, live on the beach or live in the mountains, which would you take? Uh, beach? Mountains right. are cold. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, that's uh, a cultural that, question right there. That, that, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, okay. 
So you can be living out in the dunes in in, in Indiana, and that, that's a beach. You can take that there. Right? Uh, no, not quite that. But if it's between that and anywhere where is there's a snow cap, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. okay. Trey, next time you can modify that question and say uh, the mountains or the beach in Alaska. <laughs> 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 that's, a, okay. that's just a wrong answer all, that's a wrong question all that's funny that's funny okay. uh, my last question is no one can actually predict the future but what do you see Kimberly Ray in the next 3.7 years 3.7 years yeah 3.7 um, let's see nobody can tell what's going to happen in 4 years so 3.7 he's noticed at 5 years I'll probably have a better understanding but 3.7 I'd probably go back to saying re-looking at the business opportunity that I started a while ago and seeing how I could make that um, how I can roll that into something different and and better than it was before mm-hmm. okay. all right anything else Trey no I think that's it man I'm, I'm about tapped out I, I, I've got no more band-aids in my box all right because we said we can get that nurse with the, uh, the, the dental skills back in here back don't even no. get me started no no all right well we're at that point where we're going to do the closing so uh, before we do that uh, Kimberly Ray can you tell the people where they can find you at on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn somewhere in case they have questions they want to know more about nursing or uh, the Lane Six Sigma that we didn't touch on at all Oh, yeah, absolutely. I am on Facebook at Kimberly Stewart, and I'm also on um, LinkedIn under Kimberly Ray. Um, Lots of information on there regarding nursing and lean and process improvement efforts. So um, the other way you can reach out to me is through Lean Forward Consulting. All right. Well, I'll end with this. Uh, We know that uh, Kim has told us about going back and you know, reinventing yourself and going up the ladder to become a nurse. Uh, it's never too late to start over, to hit that pause button, to breathe, then beginning. You need to lose yourself in the shuffle, get caught up in your mistakes or your fears or even your anxieties. You don't have to hold on to your anger and put it into a little box and carry it around with you. If anything we learned today, I have to say a journey of a thousand miles began with one step. We just have to keep on walking. In time, Everything will eventually come because the choices we make today will be revealed by the preparation we made yesterday. For Trey, uh, Kimberly Ray, and myself, this has been another episode of What's Up at War. So until next time, peace. peace.